Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. Here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the role-playing game Shadow Dark by Kelsey Dion of Arcane Library. We are running a campaign called The Gloaming, which is based on the world in Cursed Scroll 1, also by Kelsey Dion on Arcane Library. It's a fantastic role-playing game and a fantastic system. My friends and I are having a really, really good time with it and we're enjoying it a whole bunch this show like all of the work of sly flourish is brought to you by the patrons of sly flourish patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive features like a monthly q a a dedicated discord server access to a whole bunch of different digital books including the city of arches source book uncovered secrets volume one and two a bunch of exclusive adventures and a whole ton of different tools to help you run your role-playing game it's a really good deal you get a lot of stuff for it and most of all you help me put on shows like this so thank you to the patrons of sly flourish for your outstanding support I have boxed myself in. I've got a problem and we've got to work through this problem. And part of it is like a Mike Shea philosophical problem and crashing against the hard rocks, the brutal sharp rocks of Shadow Dark, uh, which is I, I have I think that I have boxed my characters into a situation of a TPK. And like the strong start could be everyone dies. And I'm I feel bad about that. Now, it was based on their decisions and actions and the rolls of the dice it i did not create the situation that could potentially cause the tpk but i still feel bad about it because i don't know that there's any great way out so we're going to talk about this a little bit because i'd i'd like to figure this out so the situation the characters have been going through a, an old tomb call or an, an old shrine a hidden shrine called uh the shrine of kytheros kytheros is sort of the, the lord of time and they found a bunch of artifacts in this old tomb. They've been traveling through it and finding a bunch of artifacts. And for example, down here in this chamber, they found an hourglass floating in space. Like it was just floating there. And they could see like the swirling sands of time. Most of the sand was at the bottom and swirling sands around the top. And they're like, well, that's interesting. Let's go dork with that thing. They also saw a giant headless statue in one corner and a shattered statue in the other. That being uh, the equivalent of a stone guardian, a big stone, big stone golem. And they started to screw with the hourglass. And one person did like the equivalent of like a create earth spell that creates this like, you know, shapes all the rocks around it and forms it into something. And he formed like a pillar to kind of push the thing out of space. And when it hit it, it's, it was solid and it didn't move. And he kept forcing it. And when he did, there was this huge rumble all around the area. And they're like, what was that? Like the whole place was shaking. And I don't remember. I think they asked for it. And I said, yeah, let's, let's slide back. And I said, let's talk about farmer, you know, Joven. Or the fisher, Joven the fisherman. Joven the fisherman kisses his wife before going out on the lake in his boat where he's going to go out to the, the, the big lake in the center of uh, the, the forest. And he goes out into the big lake and there's a huge rumble. And then he sees a great vortex in the center of the lake and all the water gets sucked out of the vortex. And his boat is now sliding in mud and there's all kinds of twisted tentacle creatures and fish and all kinds of stuff flopping around in the wet mud at the bottom of the drained lake. And there's a huge hole with like teeth around the outer outer edge like a like a sarlacc pit and a big hole and as he peers in he sees the world of marrow below as though it sucked it in and the reality of the situation was the hourglass 
is showing how much time is left in the gloaming and there's not much. And by shaking it, it reversed causality and caused a hole to form in the world that is eating it even faster than they had thought. So they saw a few grains go down further and the entire center lake of the world drained because of that. But then it broke free. And as soon as it broke free, causality was broken again and and went back to the proper way, which is that the hourglass shows the current world. And now they've got this hourglass. And I said, and that's a level 10 artifact because it, or a, 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 yeah, what, like a, a 10, a, you know, a 10 experience artifact. Cause it is, it's like, it's a, it's an hourglass that the, the, like the shrine of, you know, the, the Templars of Kytheros used to see like how, what's going on with our world today. So now they have that and they grab that and they're, and they're, then they're wandering around. Oh, and they get Gollum animated. That that's not the TPK part. Draining draining the lake of the center was not the TPK part. It was the stone golem. So then they got chased by a stone golem. They ran. I think the stone golem killed somebody. Uh, then they ran, and the stone golem can't squeeze through the area. The stone golem's too big, so it's pounding on the walls, trying to smash its way through the walls, you know, working its way through this tunnel here. And I think we're gonna have it that it will have made its way to about here, squeezing. Right? It's it's not it's not doing very well. Uh, and it's bashing its way through this through this hall, trying to make its way to them. Meanwhile, they went into this other chamber over here. And in here, they saw a book on a pedestal. And they're like, oh, that's cool. A book on a pedestal. We should grab that. So they grabbed that. And that animated two air elementals. So now the air elementals are beating the crap out of everybody. And one of the players whose character died brought in a new character uh, named Tribble. Tribble, I think it's Tribble. So Tribble is a scout leader for a bunch of goblin scouts. And I mean like, you know, boys and girl scouts, level scouts, goblin children. And his he's like, hey, I'm taking you down to this area so that we can, you know, teach you all about scouting and how to tie knots and do stuff like that. And the goblins are like, okay, we love it down here. This is great. So he's taking them to the super dangerous place. We have a hard line, by the way, against violence against children, which is kind of freeing because uh, I know nothing's going to happen to those kids no matter what. And the players know nothing's going to happen to those kids, no matter what. Um, but, but they're still down there. And that doesn't mean the kids can't get them in trouble. So those are kind of fun. Um, so the, 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 so he comes down with his goblin kids. And the goblin kids are, like, super excited about, you know, what they're doing. And, and you know, and, and the meanwhile, they're, like, fighting these air elementals and all this stuff. And they see the book. And he introduces and says, oh, I'm here. And he's like, I need, you know, kids all stay. Pay attention. You know, I want all you kids to... Uh, yeah, I blocked this area here because they hadn't they hadn't really seen down that way yet. And the goblin kids and then like the goblin kids are like, you know, Mr. Tribble, Mr. Tribble, Mr. Tribble, Mr. Tribble, Mr. Tribble. And he's like, what? And he's like, I got to pee. He's like, all right, go around the corner and pee. And the other kids, we want to go too. And then they go and then they hear like screaming from the go, go, like, what? Like, Johnny's peeing. And so they're like, oh, my God. Right. These kids. And then all the kids went silent. And they're like, oh, no, what happened? Right. And they know that there's a hard line. So like they know that like nothing bad happened to the kids, but the kids are not saying anything, which makes them more afraid of what the kids are up to than like what happened to the kids. Meanwhile, they're fighting these air elementals. Morgan has the book. The book is called is is, is the book of worlds, which was written by priests of Kytheros about the various worlds that Kytheros had visited. And Morgan also has the dagger that can open up portals to other worlds and knows, knows it has mentioned it, but she is also stuck between two air elementals and looks to be in a bad way. I think she's unconscious, which is bad. And the air elementals are still, are still around. I don't remember. I think they did damage to him and I forgot how much damage they did. 
That's bad. I'm going to pretend I know how much, but I don't. <laughs> then I'm, they, uh, and then the torch went out. Of course, I think Morgan was holding the torch. <laughs> got sucked into an arrow elemental the torch and now the torch is out two arrow elementals morgan is stuck between them Yeralt, it's not Geralt, it's Yeralt. Yeralt of the riviera i think is his name and Yeralt of the riviera is in the room oh and lorden is there too is it lorden it might be lorden who's the scout leader they're stuck in the room in the corners they got thrown back by the arrow elemental morgan is in the arrow elemental so they're all split up by these arrow elementals which is really really bad and they goblin kids have stopped making any noise and i so i rolled of course for a random encounter as you are as you are supposed to do and i did and i rolled gelatinous cube and i was like oh yay a gelatinous cube and i said wouldn't it be funny because look at this nice perfect little alcove right here and i was like what if this alcove had a gelatinous cube in it that nobody noticed while they were walking in and out of this place and now the gelatinous cube has moved here the goblin kids are on one side of the gelatinous cube the secret door is already known they've they've already they know and they're they're close to their way out the secret door is is known and the, the kids are on one side and the gelatinous cube is between them and i thought wouldn't it be funny if oh and the and the, the, the goblin kids can see in the dark but the characters can't which is funny even the goblin characters can't see in the dark which is pretty funny <laughs> the scouts can so uh, my wife, uh, Galandrill, says, uh, you've heard of Shadow Sharknado. Well, we're about to make a gelatinous NATO. My wife and I had a serious conversation about what happens if an air elemental gets stuck in a gelatinous cube. I think it's more two two possibilities come to mind. One is like a giant gelatinous floating soap bubble, which would be one bad thing. Another one is it's sort of like throwing a bucket of He-Man slime into an open fan. Uh, I can't decide which of those two. I might I might roll randomly to determine which of those two possibilities would exist when you when you gelatinous cube hits an air elemental. But anyway, I thought it'd be funny that the kids are on one side and they know that there's a gelatinous cube, but they think it'd be really funny if their scout leader falls into a gelatinous cube. So they're just standing on the other side, like not saying anything while gelatinous cube is right here. But I think even in the in the random encounter, it mentioned that there's like stuff stuck inside of the gelatinous cube. So I might roll some treasure to see what's inside of it and see that it's floating there. And the characters will probably, because the players are pretty sharp, they will discuss, they'll they'll probably figure out that there's a gelatinous cube there. But then they still have the air elementals, you know, on the other side. So that, anyway, this looks like a very deadly situation to me. uh, And I worry about that. So the question is, are are there ways out? Do I see multiple possible ways out? And I don't really know what capabilities the characters have, like spells and stuff like that, that the character, they, they die so often, it's hard for me to keep track. Uh, I know that Morrigan has the Obsidian Witch Knife in the book, and I think it is very reasonable that, that Morrigan could use the Obsidian Witch Knife in the book to make a doorway to another world. And my thought for where that would go is actually jumping from Curse Scroll, Curse Scroll 1 to Curse Scroll 2 which is the desert sorcerers, the red sands. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they went straight from, if, and, and I don't even know who, I don't even know if it'd be all the characters or not, that they went from the gloaming to red sands and that the red sands is actually a world that is the outcome of the battle between Almazats and Mugdalblub. 
And yet there are still people living here. They managed to survive somehow. Like magic managed to get him to survive a thousand years before. But like for, it's been a thousand years since the destruction. And now it's this desert wasteland where at one point all organic life had been destroyed. But then some of it survived and has, has come about to this. I think that would be pretty neat. So I have like a whole other world that they will go to. How epic is my Shattered Dark game, by the way? Does anybody recognize? Like, I don't think this is... When, when we talk about Shadow Dark, I don't think the intention is world world hopping Marvel Cinematic Universe level kind of stuff going on. But that's sort of how it ended up. And then, okay, here we are. I guess I love my big epic storylines. So I thought it'd be fun for them to jump to Red Sands if they switch worlds. Even if part of them switch worlds, I think something I could do is if some of them manage to get through to another world and other ones don't, that I will just stop and say, okay which one of those threads do we want to follow? And we can always jump to the other thread, but we have now split our campaign into two separate campaigns. Which campaign do you want? Red Sands or Gloaming? And they get to pick which one that they are doing, right? I think that would be pretty a fun, a fun thing to do. But I do know that I need to get my notes ready. So let's start planning our game. So I'm going to click on Generate Session Planning Template. Uh, I got a comment on YouTube that I wanted to address. Uh, I don't typically address every comment on YouTube because there's a lot of them. And uh, I have to save my energy for answering questions for those who answer on the Patreon Q&A. But this one in particular was, I thought, worth bringing up, which is somebody who said, how does it feel how much easier it is to prep for Shadow Dark because your prep sessions are now like under a half an hour when they used to be like a lot longer. And I really don't find prepping for Shadow Dark to be easier than prepping for 5e, not because it's hard to prep for Shadow Dark, but because my prep has been so streamlined down that I pretty much need to, for me to feel comfortable with the games that I run, need to do this level of prep regardless of the game system I'm running. And I have streamlined 5e prep so much that there's not a lot of overhead. Like there's not a lot of 5e overhead that I have to do when I'm prepping for a 5e game. And a major difference recently was Forge of Foes that I am now very comfortable using Forge of Foes stat blocks. And that means I don't have to worry about monsters, right? And I have my random generator for treasure, just same way. So I actually don't find prepping for Shadow Dark any easier. I don't find it hard either, and nor do I find it easier or hard to prep for 5e. So I thought that that was worth just because the it was shorter. Also, last week I just I spent less time, but there's plenty of times where I don't spend a lot of time prepping for a five E game. So I don't think it's any for me. Everybody's got their own path, and everybody has their own way of doing it. For me, it's not any harder to prep for five E than it is for Shadow Dark or vice versa. And both of them, I feel like, are prepping just fine for me. Today's date is four February twenty four. The gloaming. Uh, I got I got yelled at by my player, not yelled at, but my players noted that because I said, like, I haven't bothered to do the character part because you just all die all the time. And they're like, well, that's the first step. So we're actually going to do the first step. So who are the characters? We have Morgan Nightweaver, who clearly has the biggest backstory and is also the one most likely to get smushed between two air elementals. Uh, we have Yeralt, the G is silent, Knight of St. Yidrith, Yeralt of the Riviera. I have no idea how to spell Riviera. Somebody help me with Riviera. I'm embarrassed now. Uh, is Dart dead? Or is Dart just not even here? So we have Kalem. Kalem still looks like they're alive. Uh, Dazder. I think Dazder is dead. Dart died. Oh, look at that. Darted into and, and turned to ash by a lightning hallway trap. That's right. There was a hallway lightning trap here. And they ran through the hallway trap. And uh, that, that line there was the lightning trap. And um, Dart darted into it. And got destroyed. So Dart Dart died. 
that was our one death last session. So Dart is dead. And now we have Lauren. And I think Lauren is the goblin, goblin scout leader. Uh, Tribble is the halfling burglar. That's right. Now, okay. I think we're good there. So we have Lauren. We have, oh, so Yeralt's player is not going to be there. Trip is there. Calum is the elf wizard. Calum is there. I think this is our current lineup of characters. Morrigan, I don't remember much about Kalen. Kalen went to a good university. Dart went to the 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 for for profit magic university and died, killed by a lightning trap. So Lauren is the goblin scout leader with all the kids. Triple halfling burglar. Oh yeah, that's right. Tri- <laughs> is a huge fan of the characters. And has a t-shirt with all of the original characters on it. And is like, are any of you left? And only Morgan. Morgan is the only one on the shirt that's left. <laughs> all the others like, hey, I was really hoping to meet Thalos and Bug Juice and Daisy. What happened to them? Like, oh, Varro. Remember Varro? I'm like, yeah, they're all dead. So I thought that was hysterical. It's actually very much like the band Hawkwind. Uh, I've been, I, I guess both, yeah, Hawkwind, I think, is I've been listening to a lot of Hawkwind. And one of the funny things about Hawkwind is I think there was only one original member of Hawkwind, and the whole band has recycled like five times over the last 40 years. And, and it's still called Hawkwind, but you're like, is it really still? And I think that's exactly like like this group, like this group is. So that that's that's a lot of fun. So that's as much of a review of the character as I'm going to bother to do because who knows where it's going to go. So the strong start is a slime and a windy place. Stuck between a slime and a windy place with no light. Yeah, so we're just going to play this out and boy, it's so hard. Like they're really in a bad spot and they could totally TPK. And then we, I guess we just decide what to do next. So the question I have is, do we, do, do we see way, I want to, I know, and I know this is not shadowed art. Kelsey, I, please, be kind to me please don't scold me but like you know i want to know that they have ways out of this i don't i'm not going to give them ways out i just want to know that there are possible ways for them to get out one clear one is that somehow morgan who i think is down is able to use her obsidian witch knife and the book to carve a hole in the world and, and dive out of another hole that's one way they could get out uh, another way might be somehow getting the gelatinous cube and the air elementals together, which I, th- you know, and I think we'll roll randomly for whether it turns into a giant soap bubble and pops. I think either way it's going to like pop and explode or whether it's like throwing a fan, throwing a, uh, throwing a, a bucket of He-Man slime into his fan. So I think one of those two things, but I think either way. So that's a possibility. That's another thing they could do. Could they fight their way out? There are five of them. They are fifth level. They're not totally weak. Could they fight their way through this? Maybe, but I think air elementals and I'm using the low, the lesser, the lesser air, air elemental. I think it's still another one of these monsters. And we're running into a few of these where they run into monsters that don't have, that you cannot hit with normal weapons. Look at these stat blocks. Aren't these stat blocks right? So they have 29 hit points, three slams. So one thing I am definitely cheating on in favor of my heroes is I only do as many slam attacks as I feel like I want to do. 
<laughs> so they can do up to three and I don't do more than three, but sometimes they only do one or two, right? I don't have them slamming everybody with three slam attacks every time. Cause it's a lot of you know, two D six damage every time. It's 21 points of damage that these things dish out only damage by magical sources. So that's a real problem. And I also have them sometimes pull the whirlwind where they throw people around in random directions. So I, I that's why Yeralt and Lauren, for example, got thrown out. So, uh, but they're, they're tough and they're tough because they can only be damaged by magical sources. And there's only a few, there's spellcasters that have damaged magical sources. Prophecy, prophecy has a magical source and I'm, I'm, I'm having a thought about prophecy, right? I don't know. We'll get to prophecy in a minute, but you know, so, so they could fight their way through maybe, you know, they also have to deal with gelatinous cube. And I do, I love one thing I really love enjoying what I really enjoy doing is this sort of like, you know, oh, is the oh one more thing, the Steve Jobs one more thing, right? That not only are they facing two air elementals that are beating the crap out of everybody, not only is there a He-Man slime or a, a, a gelatinous cube that the kids are are, are baiting out to, to be because they think it'll be funny. And not only is there a, a golem that's bashing its way down the hallway, but they also ran out of light. <laughs> so they're like, they got four ways that they're totally hosed. So they could fight their way through. They could somehow bait the air elementals to go after the, the, the thing and turn into a He-Man slime. They could... I don't know that they could really get the air elemental and the golems to, to fight. Uh, the golem is going to go through the, the, the lightning trap, though, I think, uh, eventually. And that, that, so I, think, I don't think they have to worry about the golem too much, which is kind of nice. But it, and it, it's kind of a fun way of adding some ten, further tension, though, that they know that the golem is coming down. Sounds like fun. And, and, and then maybe they have crafty ways to, to, to get out of it anyway. I think prophecy. So I'm, I'm thinking about prophecy. So prophecy is a sword that they got. Prophecy. And I, I think the idea behind pro- prophecy is a plus three bastard sword that was built by Shun for, for Kytheros. It's like a holy artifact. And I think what I'm going to have prophecy do is instead of spewing forth prophecies, it's like, I don't know, you're on your own. And then the player at the beginning of every session can roll a D4 and they get that many extra luck points for that session that they can distribute to the other characters. And the idea is that prophecy is actually can shift what happens in time. I think that's a fun w- ability to give this really powerful sword that also helps me move the game into a direction I want, which is a little bit more pulp fantasy and give a little bit of a greater chance to the characters following the rules as written for pulp mode, but not full pulp mode. Full pulp mode is everybody gets a D4. And I don't think I want to go that far. Where is the modes of play? Right. There's all these. I love this modes of play, you know, blitz mode, light timers last 30 minutes, chaos mode, reroll initiative at the start of every combat round, deadly mode, death timers are always one DC 18 to stabilize fatality mode characters die at zero grinder mode with each successful rest. You regain one stat damage per stat and hit points equal to one roll of your hit points, i.e. you you, you don't really heal very much hunter mode defeated experience monsters grant XP equal to half their level momentum mode you have advantage on checks to repeat you have advantage on checks to repeat an action you failed if you try the exact same action and damage dice explode if you roll maximum damage on a die roll it again that's momentum mode pulp mode no maximum luck tokens per a player can have players start with 1d4 luck tokens they can use a luck token to turn a hit into a critical hit 
You can use a luck token to take an extra action. You can use a luck token to force the GM to reroll a roll. So I... Uh, I, th I think I think that prophecy will let them move to pulp mode only instead of players start the session with 1d4 luck tokens I will have them all start with one and then prophecy gives them 1d4 and uh, and then they can use them for these other things because that's like they can you know the, the holder of prophecy can sort of twist time I think that that's a fun thing and we'll try that out and maybe prophecy goes dark and they stop using it i'm not sure well we're, we i think i think we can try that out that will help them significantly in this fight if we do that so that's that's something let's assume so possibilities head they travel through a portal to the world of red sands just for fun just to help a little bit if they were to go can i let's see if they were going to go to Red Sands, which one of these locations would they go to? It, it does not help me that this map is sideways. Uh, so let's take a little look here. So a Cerule camp. Nomadic tribe of desert elves maintains a secret camp here to rear and train their prized silver camels. So how many? There are 22, 22 locations. So we will first... The way we're going to do this, I think this, I think this mathematically works, is we're going to go 24 by rolling a d12. So the first thing we do is say, is it the first d12 or the second d12? One or two, it's the first. On a three or four, it's the second. Uh, and we roll the one. So it's the first 12. And then we roll a 12-sided die, and we roll a six. So location six. One, two, three, four, five, six. They, they show up at the pyre. The pyre, that's 502. So that is up uh, in the north. That looks cool. Uh, the pyre is a round elevated altar of crimson marble engraved with dancing flames and set with 10 fist-sized rubies. Each solstice, the nomadic Cerule elves pile it with magnificent jewelry, art, and food in a symbolic rejection of material goods. At midnight, the phoenix erupts from the Ghazal Mountains and swoops down over the valley, touching the pyre with its tail and turning all upon it to charcoal. The Cerule tenaciously hunt anyone who tampers with the pyre. What do we think the odds are that they show up at midnight when the Phoenix is on its way? That sounds pretty good. So I think they would show up. That feels fun. I like that. I'm happy with that. They show up at the pyre, which is 502, right when a Phoenix is about to destroy all the treasure they land in. So that's one possibility. So we're going to keep that, we're going to keep that handy uh, as a, like, talk about like a big change in the campaign. Am I kind of hoping they switch? A little bit. Yeah. But I don't want to get too excited because like, I'm, I'm still happy with the other campaign too. Like, I'm not spending a lot of time on that. Like, I just looked up, I randomly rolled a location, I came up with a little thing, and I'm good to go. That is all the time we're going to spend on that. So what other possible scenes could happen? So they could still manage to get out of this out of the he-man slime soap bubble situation does anybody remember he-man slime boy am i dating myself he-man slime for you for the kids uh back in the, i think it was the 80s there was he-man right and one of the products for he-man was a bucket of this weird slime you could go buy it in a store it came in a little canister and it was green that's like neon green slime and you would pour out and it would like pour through your hands but it never broke apart which meant that like you could throw it like on the floor or the window and peel it right off and it left no residue it would pick up crap <laughs> like dust and dirt and everything else and eventually like a gelatinous cube would go into there but it would never leave 
the Cheerios. It would pick up Cheerios, but it would it would pick crap up into it. But you didn't care because it was like three dollars or whatever. Um, but it would not hurt. Like it wouldn't get in your. I th- I I think like if you let it sit for a year on a carpet, it would it would soak into the carpet. But it was it was a weird substance that would not like break apart and it would not it looked like it would it looked like it would make a complete mess but it was actually pretty uh it was actually pretty uh, you know pretty clean uh, it was and it felt like slime uh, okay anyway so they managed to get out of the he-man slime situation and return to so then they have to choose their next course and they almost certainly i think they've all agreed that their plan was to go to uh, the red brands red thorns uh, and close the marrow gate. Uh, what they'll find is like closing the marrow gate here kind of doesn't matter because there's much bigger marrow gates. But I think they'll arrive with the coming of Underlook. Another option is go to the empty lake, to the tower, to Haldren's tower, to seek the solution to end Mugdalblub's invasion. Uh, they could also go to Wardenwood to apply Mugdalblub's curse or to apply the cure. To Mugdalub's curse. Uh, on a, I'm going to roll a d20 to determine how bad things have gotten. One, we're going to go from one being nothing at all has changed to 20 being uh, it's now Slimeville. Oh man, 17. So there's a few people and I wonder if the dragon is there. What was the name of the dragon? We need a new NPC for the dragon. Uh, it was in the deaths. Let me go to the deaths. The glorious dead. Varro. Rairdin Varoslayer is now an avatar of Mugdalblub. Things have gone bad while they've been down here in this tomb. The draconic chosen of Mugdalblub. Former forest dragon who has become an ooze dragon and serves as the herald of Mugdalblub. Herald and chosen of Mugdalblub. Hope they brought some beer. He no longer wants beer. He wants... To dissolve flesh. That's his goal. Now, the throne of... I think that Wardenwood is now the throne of Reardon. I think that those are all of the main paths. They could visit Titania and book passage for the goblins and remaining folk to go to the Feywild, to go to the realm of the, fairy, the, realm of the fairies. That all sounds pretty solid there's other areas that they could go to as well they could go to the um the priory where to face saint yidrith that doesn't really get him anywhere though pyre right so all right they got possible directions where they can go uh, now we want some secrets and clues so let's see most of the people of wardenwood have become slime zombies ooze ooze folk i guess i have two I think I have to deconflict my uh, NPCs. I think I have too many. Yeah, I have two. Okay, I got to delete this one. Delete. I have a conflict because I already have one. Um, so I said Mugdoblub Ooze Dragon. Now he is Draconic Chosen of Mugdoblub. He's been upgraded. That probably broke links. Yeah, it broke a link. So let's go back and fix that. That should work, right? There we go. Okay. And serve Raridin. Raridin. Now he uses Wardenwood as his throne. So that happened. Fenmir Lake, which is the center lake. Let's pull that up here. Fenmir Lake is drained. And now 
there's a huge hole to Mugdalblub. Or no, a huge hole to um, Marrow in its center. I don't know how they fix that. The rivers still flow into it. The northern rivers, right? Uh, the southern ones have gone dry. What else has gone along, has been going on while the characters have been down here? Barnab uh, not Barnabas, what's his name? The troll, Barbarog. Barbarog has returned to his position as the bouncer for Ekalaklik. What other secrets? So they can still save the gloaming. The devour, the, the destruction of the gloaming has continued, has escalated, but it can still be saved. What's his name supposedly had a way to do it? The tower dude, Haldren. Now that's a secret. Haldren was kidnapped, was trapped by this, the Knights of St. Yudrith in the well, 1607. The vile well, far to the southeast. Uh, I think that's actually in the book. Yeah, inside Haldren is entangled in a nest of veins and tendrils that keep him alive of sorts. We can decide what that is. The teeth of Almazots have appeared in the sky, like huge mountains closing in. With the draining of the lake, many of the fey folk in the gloaming have grabbed what artifacts they can they could and made passage to the realm of the fairies. So we've got that. What other, what else is going on um, that the characters might discover? I guess we can throw, I mean, these are kind of throwaways, but you know, we could throw a couple secrets from our curse scroll too. I don't know that it's a complete waste. So we can kind of go out from the pyre, right? We know that the surreal elves. So let's see, have lives that go back to the time when Mugdalblub ride or, or devoured the time when yeah Mugdalblub devoured no Underluck right no it'd be Mug Mugdalblub nearly all life in the land let's see 5,000 years ago or thereabouts Mugdalblub devoured most life it didn't devour it though so Mugdalblub warred with Almazats in this land in the red sands, destroying nearly all life and leaving behind a desert ruin. The magic of the surreal elves. I don't think it's, uh, it wasn't the magic because there's another, there's another sort of group. There's like these assassin mages. They're like ninja. The people, let's we'll go with the, the people. And what's the name of this place? The regional name, the Jurim, fell to black magic to prevent the complete destruction of the land. That black magic still permeates the land and its people. All right, we got our secrets and clues. Locations we don't really have to worry about. We got all that set. NPCs, we got that set. Monsters and treasure, we roll. Uh, so I think that's really the bulk of what we needed to do today. Friends, I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Shadow Dark RPG. If you enjoyed this show and you like the work that I do, 
please consider subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter. It is absolutely free to sign up. You get a free adventure generator for signing up and you get a weekly RPG-related article sent directly to your inbox. You can also support me directly on Patreon and get access to all kinds of cool stuff for your RPGs. Bunch of tools that you can use. Monthly Q&A, dedicated Discord server, bunch of books like City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, and a whole lot more. You get a lot of stuff for being a patron of Sly Flourish. And you can pick up any of my RPG books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, where this prep uh, has is based on. Uh, the Lazy DM's companion with a bunch of random tables to help you generate your own worlds and own ideas uh, and forge of foes if you want to help building 5e monsters really really quickly and, and make them even better you can pick all that up on the sly flourish bookstore thank you all so much have a great day and get out there and play an rpg